0: Hi, everyone. I'm Matt. I'm John. And this is Incompetence in Stereo. Stereo. John, what's going on, my man?
1: Man, it's, uh, it's good to be back on our, on our podcast. Uh, it's been uh, been a couple of years uh, since we got uh, to follow up on one of these. But uh, we're back. Uh, and through the magic of uh, technology, we're able to kind of do this from um, the two different cities that we live in. So it uh, feels pretty good, man. Uh, what's been going on with you?
0: Oh, you know, uh, testing out new technology along with you, uh, you know, people are doing remote work. I've, uh, definitely looked a little bit into some self-employment opportunities. Um, it's funny, we're talking about the technology making it possible for us to do this today. Is, uh, you know, people listening don't know this. This is actually our second attempt today. <laughs> um, we're learning that, uh, recording Skype or zoom or whatever, uh, is a little bit dependent on, uh, network traffic. So if you hear any garbles or anything, uh, you know, we are incompetent. We're exactly yeah. as promised. So, uh, <laughs> well, but yeah, this sounds a lot better than the,
1: than the first attempt uh, already. So hopefully, uh, we're going to get that figured out, but like Matt said, we are incompetent and that is sort of the, the purpose of the, of the podcast and, uh, I guess for for any new listeners, uh, um, you know, that weren't uh, following us a couple of years ago, basically, uh, Matt and I are, are are really close friends. We have been for a long time, and uh, we're nerds. We're we're openly uh, <laughs> we openly admit that. Yeah. And uh, so, so basically, this is just a, a fun podcast. We talk about pretty much everything nerd based, and uh, we we mostly will avoid religion and politics and things like that. So the pretty much the only thing you might get offended by is uh, if we have a different uh, viewpoint on star Wars or something that you do. So, uh, so it's a lot of fun.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would say, and since we recorded last, um, I have been doing some work to try to let people like the things they like. If they'll let me like the things I like that being said, it doesn't mean I'm a robot or I'm the Buddha and I don't still think certain, uh, things just aren't my bag. And, you know, kind of, you know, if I was the only person whose opinion counted, um, I'd make a lot of people unhappy. <laughs> uh, so yeah, there, there will still be some, uh, hot takes, but, uh, it's, it's, it's more in a, a sense of, you know, Oh man, we, we all like some, uh, some garbage. Speaking of which, um, I look forward to, uh, using some of this new technology I've discovered uh, I was telling John earlier today I found a Google Chrome extension that if it works as promised if John and I both subscribe to say Netflix or Amazon or something like that um, I should be able to we should be able to share like movies with each other and chat at the same time um, that's you know John I'm you know, we're old enough to where that's the kind of thing you used to do back in the day. Your friends would be watching, you know, some pay-per-view wrestling event or something like that. You'd be on the phone with them. You'd both be watching at the same time. And, you know, like the worst thing that could happen there is sometimes like because of the long distance lines or like the broadcast or whatever, like your buddy would be like two seconds ahead of you And you'd be like talking to him. All of a sudden they'd be like, and you'd be like, you knew something was about to happen, but you, you know, so whatever. Uh, The the worst
1: part of that for me back in the day would have been my dad
0: uh, poking his head in the room and see me on the phone going, you ain't doing that long distance are you? That ain't free. (laughs) (laughs) Dude, what if it'd been like a party line, you know, you're on on there trying to talk to your buddy uh, during the uh, hell in a cell match or whatever. And then uh, Miss, you know, Miss Eunice has to get on. And (laughs) anyway, oh, yeah. But no, but yeah, speaking of uh, garbage taste, uh, the screen sharing is going to allow me to share uh, with John some movies that uh, I guess you could say, i love despite them being bad um, oh my god yeah and john I think, uh, has some too there's you know it's funny john and i are almost the exact same age he's just a little older than i am yeah, it's uh, a year. and uh but it's funny like how much we watched the same growing up but how yeah. much like there's still a few things we didn't first thing first uh you know, one movie that John and I have realized I've never seen is, uh, this is shocking. a 1980s classic called Rad.
1: Oh, my God. I, I, you know what? Over the years, I had just always assumed that you had uh, seen it. And you probably told me that you, you didn't. And I just instinctively blocked that out because I can't comprehend.
0: It, knowing- much
1: like you've blocked
0: out that I've still not seen Iron Eagle.
1: Yes, we got to do Iron Eagle too. I mean, that, that's, that's uh, especially for me, having been in the Air Force, that'll be fun. So uh, Matt and I, we used to work together and um, uh, kind of talking about Rad. Uh, one of our coworkers at the time, see, here's the thing about Rad. It's never, to this day, it was never released on DVD or uh, you know any of those, uh, Blu-ray or anything. I know everybody streams stuff now, but the movie never even got a DVD release. I looked it's that up. just on, on tape. Just on tape, and which is insane because do we know if it was movie.
0: on disc <laughs>
1: Was it part of the
0: criteria on <laughs> Well, it may have been.
1: I mean, who knows? But I, I did. I did some research into it, and and was able to actually confirm that they never put it out on DVD, which is insane. Yeah. So when Matt and I worked at uh, that A company for together, um, uh, one of our coworkers actually he, he had it on uh, VHS, and he actually burned me a copy of rad and I can't find it. I think, uh, one of my buddies has it. So that was the only way that I got to watch it on, on DVD. Uh, and it is a masterpiece of bad, uh, movie making, but it's about, um, rad is about freestyle, uh, BMX racing and, mm. and, you know, the tricks and stuff. And then probably 85,
0: 86, 87, that's all any of so my friends. Heard about. It's like, it's embarrassing that after all these years of passing that movie at uh, different video stores and knowing, you know, it probably came on like USA or TBS and stuff, never watched it. And honestly, uh, until a few years ago, when I found out another friend of mine is super into the movie, um, that I figured out it was about biking. All this time, I assumed it was yet another Like skateboarding movie, kind of like was gleaming the gleaming the cube. Yeah. (laughs) Well,
1: you know what's interesting about that though. Okay, so here's uh, and have you seen uh, gleaming the cube? No. Okay, so I haven't either. And on that DVD that uh, our former coworker made for me, yeah, uh, he had rad and gleaming the cube on it, and I just never cared about gleaming the cube because I don't care about skateboarding at all. But but rad is one we'll do so. Kind of the theory about what we want to do is, is we'll sort of, on some of the movies, we'll stream them and kind of live react to them. And then other movies, if we want to, we'll just watch them separately and then kind of talk about them. So we have a mix. Um, on the original Incompetence and Stereo Days, uh, we did uh, a Van Dam movie uh, that was really fun. And basically what it was, it was one that Matthew had never seen before. So the game was, um, I was going to describe the movie. And Matthew would guess the name of it. Yeah. Uh, and and so um, back in the old days, that was actually our most popular uh, episode. And I even had uh, some people that I work with now, uh, when they found out that we had a podcast, went back and listened to that. And, and I got a lot of positive feedback on on that episode. So right.
0: we're going to be doing
1: Rad. We're, we got to do Iron Eagle. We got to do, we're going to do some Van Damme movies. We're yeah. Do, uh, Matthew had a great uh <laughs> Call all, all of
0: Seagal. So we're going to yeah. go
1: in and check out the Steven Seagal movie. So all of that kind of stuff is going to be super fun.
0: Yeah. Basically the thing is, is it's like, uh, you know, like John said, some of these we'll be able to watch at the same time. Some of these we're going to do separately. And on the ones where like either I've seen it before and John hasn't, or John's seen it before and I haven't, or either of us have seen it before, but maybe don't remember it super well. Yeah. Some of the sometimes it might be fun to have an episode where uh, you know, we talk about our hazy memories of the movie <laughs> first before and we watch, watch it. it. Yeah. Record it, watch it, and then talk like, oh man, you know, cause like, dude, stuff like that happens all the time once you get older. You watch yeah. these movies from when you were a kid and you see stuff that you didn't remember and uh or just stuff that didn't age well. And I'm sure if we do all the Van Damme in a theme we call Van Damage. And if we do all of Seagal, like even before we get to the stuff released recently, where like Seagal straight up is obviously like pro-Russia or something now. <laughs> yeah. Like even some of the old stuff is probably not going to hold up real well. So, well, you that's know. What makes it fun. Uh, one of the uh, things that yeah. I, I want to get to too, when we talk about uh, Iron
1: Eagle. So you, uh, you said you haven't seen Iron Eagle, right? No,
0: but now, unlike Rad, I am aware yeah. of what it's about. It's a kid steals uh, F-15 with...
1: Uh, he, he steals a couple of F-16s.
0: F-16s, and uh, does Lewis Gossett Jr. help him, or does he chase him? Uh, What's the well- deal?
1: yeah so so the basic premise before uh, and we'll watch that that'll be a reaction it'll be a good one. um The basic premise is uh the guy the the kid he's like sixteen or seventeen right and his dad is a fighter pilot in the air Force and he's an f sixteen pilot yeah and then in, in an unnamed location in the Middle East, he gets shot down and taken prisoner, and the air Force and the u s government just don't they're not gonna they're not helping right yeah. so the kid he goes up to chappie uh Lewis Gossett jr who was a who was a colonel. Uh, who's retired now and he's asking for help because he knew his dad and they, they kind of he's like well, how am i going to help you i don't have an f-16 so anyway so the kid uh he is able to somehow and and that's part of the fun of the movie um he is able to get two f-16s fully loaded fully fueled uh and then him and uh, Chappie fly it across uh uh, the world they get they schedule their refueling and then they go using these f-16s so wait wait wait, wait wait
0: hold on refueling <laughs> did they get like <laughs> one of the kh planes to do it or did they land somewhere and refuel no they they
1: air, mid-air refuel man so <laughs> so so, so the, the so the beauty and and of course when you're a kid you think this is is all plausible. But for me, I spent 21 years in the air force, uh, and fighter weapons. And so one of the ways he does it is like, of course, they're all military brats. So he's got his, you know, fellow teenagers and they're able to get on the base cause they're kids. And apparently, I guess maybe back in the eighties air force, kids could walk into any, uh, any, uh, guarded area on an air force base. So anyway, they get in there and they, they, you know, they schedule the refueling, they schedule the loading of the jets
0: Oh, and I guess he, and, and they, and I'm guessing he's already aware of the uh, orders of the day, friend or foe transponder settings for all the different airspaces they're going to go. Through. Yeah.
1: It's, it's so, so now that we're, you know, we're older, and especially now since I had all that time in the Air Force, I have, to be honest, I haven't seen this movie in about 10 years. Okay. So, so now being able to, since I've been retired from the Air Force for a while, it's going to be a hoot watching this. So,
0: yeah, like I almost want you to at like formalize your reviewing of it and write down like the things that they get right. Because I'm going to be surprised if it's more than things like, yes, the United States Air Force exists. <laughs>
1: well, <laughs> actually, you know what, though? that's a good idea, because one of the first things that I laugh about the last time I saw it, is it starts out, you do see the kid and his dad, who's the pilot. Was his dad is able to yeah. sneak him up mm-hmm. in an F 16, and he makes them, when they get out after the flight, keep the helmet and the little visor down so nobody can see. And yeah. then, as they're walking across the flight line, you just see random Air Force people in their blues and all this kind of stuff walking around on the flight line, like it's at the BX or the commissary or something, and which is hilarious because those are restricted access places. So, right, there, there's it would be kind of fun to uh, see what it gets right so I think that's a good premise for that episode because there you uh, go
0: yeah like you can talk about it for good or for ill but there was a time that filmmakers didn't really get like official dod help with any of these things that's right like you know the upside to it is like yeah the stuff that comes out now you can the terminology and the uniforms and the you know some of the basic you know, orders and general orders and stuff are going to be more accurate than they used to be in the day. The downside is that means the Pentagon kind of like goes, Hey, maybe you can change the movie to be more like this, you know? Yeah. I think
1: Top top Gun might've been one of the first ones to really have that kind of.
0: Yeah. Yeah. uh, Yeah. You know, Platoon didn't get help. No, Platoon didn't help. uh, You know, it's kind of funny that we're talking about people outside of a creative industry getting involved in the creative decisions uh, you know, you and I were wanting to talk a little bit about how without, you know, I don't know if John has explicitly said that we're in our early forties, but you know, we're, <laughs> we we're, are. In that, we're in that tail end of Gen X. And uh, <laughs> as you know, as we've gotten older, We've watched as people our ages, like nostalgia was used to, you know, relaunch or reboot or keep going. A whole lot of franchises. The only ones I can really think of from like before we were born that like still continue to this day are things like, I guess, James Bond, you know, Uh, maybe some Westerns, maybe, you know, maybe some romance stuff. I don't know, because those aren't genres I really do much with but uh same i know one thing over the last few years you know when john and i first started working with each other part of how we figured out we were going to get along so well was uh you know we both quickly discovered we were huge star wars nerds yes john so much that there's like whole games and novels and stuff that he you know had access to that you know i i might have been familiar with it but you know not as into it and what that means is we've had years to build up to the release of episodes seven, eight, nine, Ugh. and uh, all the other stuff that's happened since. You can probably tell from John's reaction, he won't be going back and watching those. So. I will never,
1: I have Disney plus. I went in and got sucked into that because yeah. I can now stream all the star, the good star Wars movies. Yes. And I want to check out the, uh, the bounty hunter show. Yeah. Mandalorian. Uh, yeah, another Mandalorian. Um, but yeah, um, I have no positives whatsoever to say about uh, the uh, the sequels. I was in at first on the first one, The Force Awakens, and I mm-hmm. thought that I thought that Ray could have been a really cool character because yeah. you know she's alone and she's you know trying to salvage old battlefields to get food. I mean, literally to get portions of food. And I thought, yeah. oh man. You know, this this is going to be somebody that's going to go from, I mean, absolutely nothing and become a Jedi. And uh, what they ended up doing was turning her into a uh, a Mary Sue that was so powerful that, you know, you could get Luke Skywalker, Anakin Skywalker, Yoda and
0: Obi-Wan together and she would have kicked their asses all in about five minutes. That was garbage. It's just hot garbage. So I was thinking about that and about like, you know, because the whole Mary Sue argument definitely gets, uh, you know, even that word gets into arguments with people sometimes. So I was trying to think, you know, like, so I didn't come out of the movies like thinking necessarily like this was total, total crap. I will say what disappointed me the most, in each of the episodes was stuff where it was like, hey, we're gonna try to echo the original trilogy, you know, episodes four through six, but we're gonna like pretend we aren't, but make it obvious we are. Like, dude, like episode seven, I remember watching it and I'm like, oh, okay. So there's this like giant ghost, like hologram thing. Okay, that could be cool, whatever oh, man, they have a new Death Star, but it's a whole planet, okay? Yeah, that was Like, okay, like, I get it, whatever. Move on to the next, you know, movie. And it's like, I just feel like what happened with those movies is that different people wanted to make different movies and it all just got glommed together and you ended up with something that not everybody could be happy with because it's like, on the one hand, you know, hey, let's keep trying to do an homage to the, you know, the old cast or whatever. And so, you know, they're like bringing those people in, but instead of giving most of them character appropriate ways to kind of like fade away or whatever, you know, you got Leia freaking flying through space. Like all of a sudden this has turned dumbest into- Dumbest thing I ever saw. Dude, like- the Dumbest thing I ever saw. Mary Poppins. I think you know what it also sucked about
1: that with that they were just inventing these force powers that we've never seen. Um so so and the thing that really irritates me the most about those because I've read a few rumor things where Disney is actually considering making those movies non-canon like they do with books and games at time but it doesn't matter uh because they wasted they wasted the return of these we waited for 30 30 freaking years yeah. to see Luke Skywalker back on, on the screen. And we also know that that, that portrayal of Luke Skywalker sucked because uh, Mark Hamill himself was uh, reprimanded by Disney for, you know, the way he was talking about The Last Jedi. He was, you know, Mm -hmm. you could tell he hated it. What we should have been able to see was luke skywalker uh as this you know luke skywalker is the ultimate hero right he's he's the one that he redeemed darth vader because he believed
0: he had hope he is the neuro. yeah he brought the balance to the force yeah and unless and so, anakin did you know so well
1: but but either either way you want to look at that that the thing is is though is that luke um he's you you're going to tell me that, uh, he loses, uh, you know, his Jedi Academy or whatever, and his nephew goes to the dark side and he's going to, he's going to just lose all hope. Of course he's not. The other thing is, is that he's not going to go in there. And for one second, act like he's going to kill his nephew who's mm. in Jedi training, Luke is going to be like, okay, well, I know a lot about the dark side because my dad fell to it. Yeah. I actually used it some myself and almost fell to it. So right. I, I see my nephew is starting to have some questions. Well, he's in training, so I'm going to talk to him about it. So, yeah. so that was all, that was stupid. And then, you know, I, I would have liked to have seen, I wanted to see Luke Skywalker as this badass hero, this Jedi master. And I do think he should have died in, uh-huh. in the, the trilogy, but he should have died. Um, you know, he should have died in, in some big uh, hero moment better than we got. The other thing is let's just go ahead and say that you do want, Luke's nephew to fall to the dark side okay so there should be yeah. a lot more shown that but you could have had you one of the things I was thinking about too you could have had Anakin Skywalker's force go show up and try to talk to this kid and be like you know I was I was afraid my entire life and look what happened to me and you're going down the
0: same path and yada 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 yeah like, like we never
1: saw Anakin Skywalker
0: they like for all the crap that these new Star Wars people want to do with like CGI people you can't you telling me you can't get you know old like hell even give Hayden Christensen a damn job I mean I don't care no, of course. He or should, get he the old the man even get the old man's CGI all I'm saying is you're right John they should have had every time Kylo Ren picks up the mask the force ghost comes and like, you're, you know, you're worshiping a dead man, you know, you're worshiping failure. You're worshiping death, you Mm -hmm. know, like that's not real, you know, come, you know, come away. And, uh, you know, as far as like Luke going and throwing a pouty fit, like it is consistent with Yoda going into hiding the idea of, the idea of Kylo having a bad moment while he's in training is the, you know, similar to when Luke goes into the cave and fights sure. Darth Vader and it's like his face under the mask. But like you said, you know, they have these things that could have been handled cool that like, you know, fit in with the old thing, but then they do things that just aren't consistent. Like, okay. So if Luke, if Luke is going in there wanting to kill his nephew, then Luke is the one under the dark side, not his nephew. You know what I mean? Because of course, you, like Anakin and Yoda and them never, and Obi-Wan never wanted to kill all the Sith. You know what I mean? It was always, you know, we can help them. There is good in him and all. Yeah. That. And
1: well, and here's the thing though, you know, Luke Skywalker already passed that trial. He became right. a Jedi Knight the moment that he could have killed Darth Vader, but he didn't look, he looked at the the robot hand that he cut off. He looked at his own robot hand. And when he turned around and threw his lightsaber and was like, you failed your highness. I'm a Jedi knight like my father. That was yeah. the moment he became a Jedi. So right. he already passed that test. Yeah. Um, I'm cool with uh, Han and, uh, and Leia's son becoming, falling. I just think it should have been handled better. There should have been something that drove him. Yeah, we should have seen it. Isolation. It it
0: really sucked that. Like that would have been cooler is have Ray getting trained at the same time yes. as Ben is falling. Episode 2 is Ben and Leia, or Ben and Ray. You know, if they still want to have this crap where they fall in love or whatever because they for some reason you can't have a damn fantasy movie without a romance, like god yeah. forbid. They could have They could have handled it better. And I mean, they did, you know, I guess at the end of the day, At least they didn't turn it into (laughs) Annie, you're breaking my heart. And then, like, that that was atrocious, too. The robot, you know, robot, like, the babies are fine, but she's dying. Why? We don't really know. It's like she doesn't want to live. And it's like, yeah, that
1: that, that was the dumbest thing I've ever seen. And also, too, going on those, uh, no, go ahead.
0: Go ahead. I was just going to say, John, like, I think what we're having to realize is that as much as we want the Skywalkers to be. These powerful, good decision-making people—they—they are all crappy. Like they all do something stupid. They're like Space Kennedys or something. Yeah, they're like know?
1: Space Kennedys. But to me, there, there's a little bit of an appeal there because they're not like these perfect. They're not like right angels. Um, and just kind of going back uh, real quick on the, you know, talking about the Annie. You're breaking my heart and all that kind of stuff, and then she just dies. I mean, it would have been—it would have been awesome to have seen. We needed to see we didn't need a full movie of Anakin as a kid. That stuff could have been handled in a flashback. We, we should have seen, you know, Anakin um, as the ultimate good guy. This guy's doing stuff we've never seen and he cares about people. He loves Obi-Wan, who's like a father figure and a brother, all that kind of stuff. Because from the moment, however you introduce Anakin Skywalker in those movies, we already know where he's going. We know he's going to be in the suit. We know he's gonna he's going to become a Sith. We know he's even going to get redeemed. So knowing that when we finally see it, it should have, uh, it it should have hurt. Uh, but yeah, the I was gonna to say, it-
0: because that's the problem, is like the, I remember someone like, well, what is the ultimate, you know, uh, counterbalance to a corrupted adult is an innocent child, except that the whole point of the force is about choices you make, yeah. and like, you know, the whole midichlorian thing of, well, he's too old or whatever, Like, I get it. He's trying to do, like, an age of accountability thing like you have in certain, you know, religious ideas or whatever. But, like, yeah, you what you need to see is that Anakin was, like, the most advanced Jedi, the -hmm. sweetest Jedi, the smartest, the wisest, to the point where it worried the other people. And what would have made more sense, honestly, is if, you know how, like, you can tell that there's Palpatine stuff going on that the council is aware of, like, you know, the whole Cypher Diaz and all that junk. So like what should have happened was as Anakin was making some of the other like masters jealous, Palpatine should have been reaching out to them and like them trying to kick Anakin off yeah at the same time he's working with Anakin and like they're trying to kick you off the council and then do the whole like coup thing that happens and it makes sure. way more sense because instead you just have like well we can't see what's happening it would have made more sense if it was like the reason he hated the order was because they literally came for him personally like yeah whatever
1: and and then kind of time back to um you know, with Kylo, if you've kind of shown Anakin in a better light, yada yada yada, Kylo Ren uh, falls to the dark side, or Ben Solo falls to the dark side, becomes Kylo Ren. One of the cool things that you could have done is you could have had Anakin's Force Ghost visit him and say, you know, you, you don't need to look to Vader because, you know, I, that that was me being afraid and blah blah blah. And you could have had Kylo Ren kind of you know give an evil laugh or mock him and say yeah the only reason i look to vader is so that i can see what not to do and he could say you failed because you were weak you failed because you were a weak jedi and you, you weren't purely a
0: human you were a robot right. yeah. Yeah. you failed as a sith
1: because you didn't 100 percent buy into it you didn't believe it yeah. and i'm better than you ever were and don't ever visit me again blah blah, blah. you know something like that so I don't yeah so they
0: should have had like exactly like we should have had Anakin be the best Jedi ever, and then if by Episode Eight and Nine Kylo becomes the worst Sith ever, that would have been like cool from a storytelling point of view. You know what I yeah. mean? And then like so have Ray.
1: Yeah, and, the, and it's they, just and like, like
0: when I think about the actors though in the new movies, like the dude that plays Finn, the dude that played Poe, the lady that plays Ray, even the dude that plays Kylo like all the other bit characters like what makes me upset is not only did you have a whole lot of fans that were let down you also have these people that were like put in these movies that they thought were going to be great opportunities and because of decisions (laughs) that they had no control over about scripting and directing and editing and stuff like You've got all these people that are like, I don't ever want you in Star Wars again. it's like, they didn't even really get a chance to show you what they could have done in a good, you know what I mean? Like the people that like were given the hate messages to them. It's like, it's not the actor's fault. (laughs) They don't write the damn movie. They're they're
1: all fantastic actors as well. I mean, um, and I think the thing that hurt the sequels the most Yeah, is that, and this is just baffling to me that this was ever allowed, was that there was no one singular arc to a story from the first movie to the third movie. There legitimately wasn't. They've acknowledged that. And how you can go into the biggest and most successful movie franchise of all time without knowing exactly what you want to do yeah. It's insane, and I don't even—I'm not even hating on JJ here because I, JJ's whole thing is I'm basically just going to you know do what's already been done and put a twist on it. I yeah. liked what he did in Star Trek. I love when they, yeah. they brought Khan back, and I didn't see that coming. Right. I love how at the end of that movie, what was it, Into Darkness, where they flipped it, where yeah. now it's it was Kirk inside, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and then and Spock outside, blah blah blah. But the fact is, is that then um, Ryan Johnson comes in and he's all about subverting expectations and so the last jedi to me is horrible it sucks in every way i thought it was the worst star wars movie ever until i saw rise of skywalker and then i was like well we we got something even worse and that is a failure on everybody involved from a management point and and we were going to talk about this we kind of that's what happens sometimes when you start interjecting suits yeah uh, the, the business people into it because those those three movies were extremely profitable, even though it basically ruined the mythology of, of the overall story. They made a lot of money on that. And Disney... Disney just wants to pump out content. That's why, you know, yes, we got Rogue One and I loved it. That movie was awesome. But then yeah. you also get crap like the Solo movie,
0: you know. And Solo was fine. It just didn't have to be uh, made. That's the thing about it is like Rogue One didn't have to be made, but it was good. Solo just, I don't know, man, it didn't add anything.
1: To me, know? Solo, that, that would have been better. And I know they probably didn't have it.
0: I'm sure they had plans for it at the time. But so, a show. That, a show yeah no, i agree talking that'd be a good show and like i've been watching some of the mandalorian and like here's my thing about it like i'm kind of into it a little in I the second. Cent- like well okay here's the only way i'm into it you know i always thought that like the bounty hunters and the underground stuff you see with like jabba the Hutt's palace and like mose eisley and stuff like I always thought that stuff was a little interesting. It's not the normal history of the empire versus the rebellion and stuff. Yeah, And so like, you know, I guess other people did too, to the point that you have the, uh, you know, Tales of the Bounty Hunters uh, book and the uh, what, Tales from the Most Eisley Cantina book or whatever. I love um, those books. Right, and so like, to me, theoretically, there's nothing about the Mandalorian that shouldn't work from the point of view of uh, it. You know, it's about bounty hunters and the underworld and stuff. I think where I wish they'd made a few different choices with it is you can really tell they're trying to make like a 1950s Kurosawa space Western. Yeah. It's very slow. Yeah. For me, the slower sci-fi movies are never my favorites. Like, I don't know if it's that I've got ADD, or it's like I got brought up on video games and music videos. But like, I about can't watch the first Star Trek movie, the original motion picture oh, one. Yeah, I gotta Beager. go straight. To, I go straight to Rithic. Man, I, yeah, I can't dude, do the like, first one and and do Same thing. Voyager. Same same thing with like Tron and two thousand and one. And, you know, it's like exactly if you've got something where it's like eight minutes of like (laughs) and just like not a damn thing happening really, you know, (laughs) like, and I mean, it's not that I don't like that stuff. Sometimes like I make music that sounds like that sometimes. Like I like parts of, uh, you know, and and sometimes I'm in the mood to watch that stuff. Like that scene in 2001 where they're like, the ladies in the space pan-am jet or whatever like walking outside like that stuff's cool and like you know the trippy part at the end with the the lights and stuff like it's neat for what it is but like i mean y'all if i had to choose between 22 minutes of watching that and like three minutes of it and i get you know those other 19 minutes back to like do something else with my life i think i want those 19 minutes and it's the same thing with the mandalorian it's like yeah you're on a damn desert planet you don't have to show 20 percent of the episode is just you know here's some sand yeah i just i don't know
1: well for that desert planet trope um it's kind of it's played out that was going back to and i do want to talk about the mandalorian but you know, when they introduced Ray and they have Jaku, but it's basically Tatooine. I thought that was stupid. They didn't have to do a desert thing. For me with the Mandalorian, the um what what made it hard for me to get through. Was uh, exactly what you said about the slow moving Western kind of thing. I've never been a huge Western same person. There, there are a few. You know, I, I do like the Unforgiven, and you know, some, a few things. Yeah, here, like the
0: fast moving ones are more. You know, like I hate to say that, like Cat Blue might be my kind of Western, but it yeah, I'm, I'm all
1: about I'm all about some Young Guns and Young Guns. Yeah, too. yeah,
0: yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, Tombstone. You know, I'll be yeah. a Huckleberry. I've still yeah, never I seen that. that. Oh, we got to watch
1: that one. That, that's a fantastic movie. But yeah. with, with The Mandalorian, um, and part of this is my own bias, my own nerd bias. Yeah. Because I'm sitting there thinking, like, okay, you can make this about any character you want in any time you want. How about giving me Boba Fett? Why yeah. couldn't I just get the, the Mandalorian's about Boba Fett and we get to see all the stuff he's doing that doesn't have anything to do with tracking down Han Solo yeah. or any of that kind of stuff? It's just his day to day, I'm Boba Fett. Yeah. I'd have been all over it. But yeah. You know, they they didn't want to do that and uh, and also I, I don't like the I know the Mandalorian armor that was the cool you know you got to see yeah. Jango Fett and then Boba Fett kind of adopted it I thought that was cool but when I'm when I'm watching the the Mandalorian and they go into that little like the little camp or the base while you know they all have similar armor you yeah know, it's a little bit different I didn't really dig that either it just sort of took a to me it took some of the uniqueness away from
0: so like. The, I know in earlier canon lore, they always talked about there was like, you know, the Mandalorians were these like mercenaries that people Mm -hmm. use and like, that's what Django is or whatever. You know, the concept of a planet where they all lived getting taken over and they're like all in exile now didn't make a lot of sense to me because I'm like, now hold up, if Django Fett... Is badass enough you know, that Palpatine's willing to risk his life to have like a plan to clone like bazillions of Django fets. Yeah. How is this planet getting taken over by anybody <laughs> like this well, Mandalorian planet? You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, I agree with that, too. I could have the lore wrong, but I was uh, under the impression that, um, based on some of the video games and stuff, yeah. it was like, the Mandalorians, because if you play Knights of the Old Republic, the classic yeah. 2003 right. uh, Xbox, I mean, I have it on my iPad, and I yeah. still play it. But anyway, so so you're like 4,000 years before the first Star Wars movie, and yeah. you're, you're fighting some Mandalorians, and they had different... Totally different looking armor. The, the way that I was always understanding it was that Django wasn't an actual Mandalorian. He just wore that armor as like, a, hey. like an homage. And then, of course, uh, Boba Fett took it up. So that could be. I, I don't like the show.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I'll finish it. But the fact that I haven't finished it yet should tell you it's not like I'm super, super no, jazzed I, about it. I but didn't yes, finish it either. I got, but, I got but,
1: about probably halfway through and I was just like, I'm not watching this. Anymore. But yeah,
0: man, like it really does boil down to like the business strategy of a company like Disney versus like what a fan wants. By the way, how do we punish ourselves like this? Like we're a society that both complains when the fans are let down, but then also complains about fan service. Like we, yeah. we're not happy yeah. either way. Yeah, we're not happy either way. I agree with that. Yeah, but uh, speaking of suits ruining things, I think (laughs) uh, WWE is one of my, like both, both behind the scenes suits in the figurative sense and like in a way, literally suits ruined WWE because like when Vince McMahon started being the like the bad guy that like you know labor could be against like that was a cool angle because it's steve austin right it was a cool angle but then it's like once you have people that are on the same payroll like on your side or whatever like the kayfabe doesn't work anymore you know it's like
1: For me, WWE, so I still have the subscription to the WWE network because
0: you can get like 20 years of good wrestling, like that, it's worth it for that. Yeah, and they're adding
1: a bunch of more of the old stuff all the time, so it's so it's amazing. But, um, you know, let's see, I think around 2014, I got back into wrestling, and that's when Hmm. the network came out. So, and then 2015, it was like my main hobby, I was obsessed with it, I was going to shows and following it, listening to podcasts about wrestling all the time. Uh, 2016 uh, started to fade, and then uh, from 2017 on, I haven't watched. Um, I'll check in on a, a website here and there to see what's going on. But um, you're exactly right about the Vince McMahon thing because um, one of the reasons that made that the show tedious to watch in, in recent years is that they were still trying to do that authority uh, character, but they did not have the Steve Austin to rebel against it. And what happened was you would have entire episodes of Raw where either Vince or Stephanie or Triple H would come out, and open the show, and it's a 30-minute promo of them glorifying themselves. So basically the TV show existed for them to put themselves over in real life. The other, the other thing when I watch old wrestling that I enjoy this more than the modern wrestling is, on modern, like Raw, right, you got three hours, two hours of SmackDown, then you got the pay-per-views. There's no differences in the matches. It's all the same people, stars going up against stars, Mm -hmm. um and it doesn't work what i loved loved about the old wrestling is that you would get these tv shows and you would see you know Arn anderson versus jobber number one or or rick flair versus and what that what that was able to do no the matches weren't great they weren't designed to be great they were designed to make the stars look like badasses so that you had a
0: story too
1: well you had a story and so let's as an example let's just say you've got, uh, you know, uh, Ted DiBiase versus Jake Roberts. And you're mm-hmm. kind of in the old way, right? So they could have some kind of confrontation that gets the feud started. And then one, one week you could have DiBiase out there going against a jobber. Yeah. And, and you could have Jake Roberts backstage cutting a promo on him. And at the end, you know, DiBiase could do it. Then the next week they would reverse that. And it, what it does is it allows the, the story to build, but I'm not watching them wrestle yet. So you're, we're building to something where I'm actually looking forward to seeing them wrestle, usually on a pay-per-view on a big show. What they do now is uh, you, you, you would have, okay, so let's say the pay-per-view is the last weekend of the month. They're going to wrestle on Raw and SmackDown two of the four weeks before the pay-per-view. Yeah. So we've already seen it. It's the same thing over and over again.
0: So I, I, I was thinking about that. It's like, so back in the day of the Monday Night Wars, especially, you still had jobbers, even on the big shows occasionally. You definitely had jobbers on WCW Saturday night. You know, people, like you said, the point of a jobber is to make a name, a face, or a heel look even better or even more evil. But like another thing people forget about jobbers. And I think this is some of the way wrestling works as a business has changed this, you know, back in the day, there wasn't any of this like the power plant or whatever they call their training facilities. You know, it was, you might train with like a local regional guy, but other than that, you just got brought on as like, you're going to be getting your ass kicked by Ric Flair or by, you know, macho man. And that's just how it's going to be. But like, you know, Steve Austin was a jobber at one point. I mean, all these guys were, you know,
1: and no, that's, you're exactly right. Um, um, There's, you can actually go back on the network and you can see some like old, old uh, mid eighties stuff. And you can see Shawn Michaels as a jobber. He looks right. like he's 13. You can see Mick Foley as a jobber. Um, all of those kind of things. Um, and that's, so, and,
0: yeah. And like you saying that it's always the same thing. It's like once the McMahons became this like larger than life, we own everything, we can do what we want. There's nowhere for them to go from that there. You can't make nah. them more evil or more powerful. Nah. So that's done. So now you got to well, find another source of attention. Well, if no one's ever allowed to just sacrifice some jobbers every once in a while, if it's always got to be Nakamura versus Styles or whatever, like every damn week, then yeah, no one's going to pay an extra 40 bucks, especially when they know. That like thirty minutes after the broadcast is over, someone's going to have the cool parts uploaded to YouTube anyway. Well, so. and yeah,
1: so so that's fifty fifty booking. So part of that is is that's part of the problem is I'm seeing the same matches over, and this guy's going to win one week, the other guy's going to win another week, and they and they yeah. do it. It's, it's an actual thing, fifty fifty booking. So yeah. nobody gets over. They trade the titles around so much that nobody cares. And you you hit on a good point. Uh, in the Attitude era, the Monday Night War, right when when Nitro and Raw were both going insane, right, the popularity yeah. was through the roof. That's where they instituted the um, the uh, star versus star matches for most of the shows, yeah. and it was cool for a while because yeah. there was such a, a fever for it. But that's not something that's sustainable. So when when WCW went out of business and it was just the WWE, they kept that going. The other the other problem is is just when you're talking about WWE today. Um, there's just too much of it. There's too much content. So yep. you've got three hours on Monday for Raw. You've got two hours on Fridays for SmackDown. You've got an hour for NXT and you've got a pay-per-view every month. It used to be you would get an hour show on the weekend, right? So uh, your jobber matches and promos, and then they would build to a quarterly pay-per-view. And When you would watch the quarterly pay-per-view, you couldn't believe you were getting three hours of wrestling, and you couldn't believe you're seeing star versus star matches. Right,
0: Because exactly, because back then, it was like, I remember being a kid, and it's like USA had WWF like once a week, and NBC had it too. And it was yeah, like, Saturday,
1: Saturday night main event. They would have some
0: time. Yeah. And it was, yeah, in a given hour, you were going to see like four people you had heard of, but they're going to be wrestling like, you know, Joe generic or yeah. it's going to be like Ricky Steamboat is hurt. And so we're going to make it look like he's going to have a star versus star with somebody but really, it, like the match is going to end after like thirty seconds because a manager is going to do something. So really, it's just like a story. Exactly. Like they did stuff like that, and and you're right. It's like after they got it to where it's like, well, we have to have Goldberg versus Hogan every damn night. Then you can't go anywhere from that, you know. You
1: also you also touched on something too that that's because the ratings are are the lowest they've ever been. They were going down before the coronavirus too, but yeah. Um, uh, it, it's because there's so much of it and, and you, you kind of touched on this. You can go to a website and WWE was actually doing this for a while and they had to cut back. So if I don't want to sit through three hours of raw, what WWE was doing for a while, they they have scaled this back from a business standpoint is um, they were putting on like their social media accounts, uh, like minute long clips of the matches after right. they were aired. Yeah. So I'm sitting there going, okay, well, I can go on with my life. And if there's something cool, I'm going to get it on this highlight film or highlight, uh, post and right. I don't have to sit like three hours of it. And th- and that's a lot of people were doing that because as much as I loved wrestling, I'm not watching six hours of it a week. Uh, so
0: just- that's what I was going to say is like, I think that is where the difference between sports and sports entertainment Really matters because if you think about it, you technically don't have to watch any sports live, you can just watch Sports Center and you'll see the coolest parts of every game that matters that people are going to talk about, right? Mm-hmm. So, like theoretically, you could do the same thing with wrestling, okay? But here's the difference in sports, people will watch it live and then they'll watch the highlights over sure. and over. With wrestling, it's, it's entertainment. It's like, you know, if I watch, if I watch a movie, I'm not going to download two minutes that are like, okay, well, here's the two coolest parts of the movie. I'm not going to go watch the movie. If I get like the two coolest. you see what I'm saying? And it's like, that's the problem for wrestling is that it's, if you want to call it a sport to the point that you want to package highlight reels, what you're going to have to understand is your product is not in demand enough for people to care to watch it live and then turn around and get excited about highlights. You know that's I mean?
1: exactly it. And the pre- you hit on something else that's good there when you're talking about the sports. Yeah. So the presentation of, you know, uh, 80s NWA, early early 90s uh, WCW they did present it more like a sport they would have rankings for the titles they would talk about these things if you had a match between two kind of mid-level stars they were meeting up even if there wasn't a title on the line or something they would be talking about you know well this is you know um, this a win here will get them in the top three ranking for the U.S. title or whatever they would give some stakes for it so it had more of a, a, a sport uh, appeal to it now you know everybody knows what it is and, and basically the matches themselves they don't ha- you know they're just all doing flips and then all these high spots and all this kind of stuff and so you can you can really see the cooperation now to do those things where the trick was the masters back in the day yes it was it was always fake and yes there's always been some some holes kind of showing in, in that logic they took enough care to try to make it look real to the point where you could as a fan go ahead and just suspend your disbelief and get into it. Whereas now, uh, you know, and I, and I'm not coming back to it. That's, I I kept the WWE network like, like we were talking about, because if I want to watch the 1992 Royal rumble, which I did a couple of weeks ago, you know, it's amazing. And that whole event was like two hours and 40 minutes. The whole pay-per-view was less than raw on a Monday, just an average Monday. So
0: you know royal Even rumble then, like that's like the Freddie blassie era man like like you're getting some old school there i love you know? yeah i love the royal rumbles remember Freddie blassie like him, always classy had, classy Freddy blassie man yeah he had the white hair yeah. i'm starting to look like him now a little bit <laughs> i'm like hillbilly jim went white haired basically now uh basically I think we can sum it up as uh, Vince McMahon is a egotistical maniac that is slowly strangling the golden Goose Well
1: I thought legs. I thought about that just a follow- up on that point. I've been thinking about that for a while because um, when I do read about modern wrestling and, and business, analysis of it um McMahon is still in control obviously and he's a micromanager and he you know it's passed him by I mean the guy's in his 70s now
0: yeah he
1: roided himself up and but I was thinking about I put some thought into this and it kind of makes sense why Vince doesn't take advice uh from people on how he's run the WWE because Think about it like this. Imagine whatever your job is, whatever you do, that you are literally the greatest and most accomplished person that ever existed in that field. Literally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's Vince McMahon. He, he, he's the greatest wrestling promoter. He is the most successful wrestling promoter of all time. And he I mean, just like PT Barnum
0: is like the best like showman of all time or whatever. Yeah, he,
1: he, yeah. He's basically the PT Barnum of wrestling. And so, yeah, you know, his father had the WWE back in the day, so and it was big. back when it
0: was a rinky-dink, like local, like carny loop, basically. You know. Yeah, but
1: they 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 had New York and they had some yeah. TV. But what Vince Jr. did was he he came up with all this stuff. He invented the pay-per-view market for wrestling and all the this kind of video stuff.
0: distribution syndication model, all all that. of it. And so he is
1: again. You know, imagine being the single most successful person who has ever done whatever it is that you do. And then you have people coming up to you telling you that, uh, um, well, you know, you're stuck in your old ways and we need to do it this way or that way. I got to tell you, and, and they're right. He is, he does need to update, but you've got to me when I look at, look at it in that format. I mean, that's why it's easy to understand that Vince is not going to take too much, uh, too much advice, much to his detriment. Now
0: it's sad, but yeah, that suits Well, I see here that we had done a little planning, you know, maybe talk about uh, some video games before we wrap this first episode up. I'm a huge gamer. I don't know about you. Uh, We've talked before, you know, you're, I've seen kind of some of your favorite type of games. You tend to really like um, first person games, like whether, you know, like behind the character, kind of like Assassin's Creed and, uh, Witcher and Skyrim and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, one genre of first person would be a shooter game. Uh, when we were talking about Star Wars earlier, trying to figure out what to talk about, I let John know. I think it's really cool that with like Steam and PS4 and stuff like that, sometimes you can get games that were released for earlier systems that you really enjoy. Some of my favorite shooters of all time were the, uh, star wars battlefront one and two that came out
1: back in the ps2
0: era you know i've not played the newer ones i've heard reviews i've talked to friends that have i've seen art from it i don't know that i need to play the new one i've got the old ones you know what i mean i don't know so well um
1: you're you're right man um i've never been much of a shooter type i like rpgs and uh, yeah stuff like that. But I do like some shooters uh, every now and then. And basically when you're talking about the, the battlefront series, uh, the PS2 games, especially battlefront two, that's, that's the, that's the, the top game. That's the goat in that series and has not been improved on. So I've got battlefront one and two from a PS4 and the, Oh my God, the way they look is incredible. The sound design, all of that. It is, it's like you're, in Star Wars. It's fantastic. Right on. But, but it doesn't have the same level of gameplay that PS2, Battlefront 2 had. It doesn't have... Battlefront 1 for the PS4 didn't even have a campaign. Battlefront 2 for the PS4 has a really short, you know, three-hour campaign. Yeah. And it's nothing. The campaign in Battlefront 2 on the PS2 was
0: amazing. So
1: it just... They, was all they say, improved was the graphics. That was
0: it. That's all. They I was going to say, like, Battlefront 2, the space combat if I could have the same level of gameplay and responsive controls and options and like the kind of missions you had to do, the kind of aircraft you could choose from, the kind of, you know, all that. If you were telling me you literally get that and it's with better graphics and it's with better controls, like, okay, I don't have a problem with that. But then, yeah, I heard from people that it's like, well, you know, they disabled this and you don't get it unless you unlock this like DLC oh, or whatever. It's atrocious. And I'm just like, man, how much did I spend for the original game when it came out for PS2? Probably 40 bucks.
1: Mm. How much
0: is it just to get the basic? 60 bucks. And that's like the basic. That doesn't give me like the heroes I want and the ships yeah. I want. Like well, that's part of
1: that's part of the scam though. And yeah. video games. Over the last 10 years, since more and more stuff, you know, uh, we're able to kind of use the internet for more. That's the business model now. They're basically, a lot of these companies are putting out, you know, these shells of games. and They're they're taking content out of the game that should have been in there and they're selling it to you as DLC. So, you know, Battlefront 1 had a lot of that. Horrible maps, you had to get DLC stuff, and it had no space battles. It did have flying.
0: uh Yeah, around on the surface. You get, yeah, you yeah. could strafe with an X-Wing or whatever. But yeah.
1: I, I don't know if you know this, so there is a Star Wars Squadron game coming out yes. in first person, uh, so that's going to be out for the PS4.
0: I, I saw it on Steam come up, yeah. yeah. That
1: looks good, and I'm going to get a PS5 in the uh, in the fall, so if that thing hits the ps PS5, I'll get it. Is so that, that what we're
0: out cool. to now? Is the five is coming out? Yeah, What's the this, Xbox uh, called that's coming out? Uh, Xbox
1: Series X, I think, is what they're the new one, and they're both supposed to hit this around November, December. Well, I'm thinking um, about
0: getting a Switch because I went finally went on their website to see which like SNES and NES games they have. Yeah, they have all the Zelda games that I want, and they have like yeah. Metroid. So I'm getting a Switch. Yeah.
1: Well, and I'm going to. Um, so you know, I always had a just an old school Wii because yeah, I had bought a lot. I, of those I do games. too, still. And um, and so I went and bought a lot of those games. Of course, now you know I can still play my Wii. Yeah. Uh, but you can't go buy any more of the games. And I do have a Switch. Um, yeah. I bought it when it came out because I wanted to play the Zelda game Breath yeah. of the
0: Wild, which it was all right. I, they were. Yeah, was the I, I've watched it. It's okay. You know, I'd have to sit down and actually play it myself to make a decision. I think.
1: So. But what I'm going to do is even though I've got some of those old games on my Wii, uh, mm-hmm. since I've got this Switch, I'm going to go ahead and I was going to rebuy uh, some of those because um, that's such a great feature for Nintendo to be able yeah, to dude. go back and get NES and SNES and GameCube games. I mean, I got Ocarina at a time, man. I mean, yeah.
0: Yeah, it's the 4 man. Yeah, and
1: and the, the PlayStation and Xbox, they have you know over their life cycles, there are some classic games. Yeah, but there is nobody that's going to be able to stand up and and match when you want to go retro with Nintendo. I mean, Nintendo was video gaming from you know eighty five to ninety five, right? That I mean, they were. Oh it. yeah. There's a I new like series Genesis, on
0: Netflix though. about the history of like classic gaming that I need to really? check out called high score or top score or something like that. Huh? Yeah. It's like, it, it's know, like it. episode one begins in like, I guess the seventies or the eighties. I, I bet you we get, Hey, we need to wait. We've talked about Billy Mitchell before in one of our older episodes.
1: <laughs> I saw, <laughs> I think he didn't he get busted for some fraud or something. Oh yeah. Yeah.
0: He's always been an, like he, he looked like, like he seriously was rocking a unfrozen caveman lawyer haircut. Uh <laughs> I'm getting a little mulledy myself with the Rona. I haven't been to the barber since 2019. That's awesome. <laughs> so, well, hey man, I was thinking about uh something you and I talked about the other day. Things I figured out since we talked last. People that knew us from work. You know, I guess it's one of those things. Some people loved it. Some people probably hated it because some people <laughs> aren't perfect and can't love what's <laughs> wonderful. One thing people got used to is we used to uh, randomly bust out a riff, a classic guitar riff at each other. And uh, one of the things I found out is that uh, fair use wise, you know, it'd be one thing if this podcast we you're sitting here playing like, you know, the whole song or even just playing a bunch of riffs gets iffy after a while but I don't think we're going to get in trouble if we recreate what we used to do sometimes, uh, vocally.
1: <laughs> so, so for, for any listeners, let me give a, a a little bit of context on where Matthew's going with that. So yeah, we worked together for a long time and once we uh, became friends and we had, so we had a lot of uh, stuff in common, we both really loved music. And so what we were, um, kind of known for was just at random times we would vocalize the riffs to certain songs and we would go man we'd go for like 20 seconds and uh i'm sure some of the people working nearby found that hilarious and then you know some didn't because you got to remember we're in a professional situation
0: yeah there's like people on the phone with customers (laughs) and we're over there going (laughs) (laughs) and like
1: but we thought that was funny, and that's something that I've always loved about it, and, and yeah. what we've done is that, and this is something that um, I've talked about this, um, posted on Facebook about this sometimes too, is, and this I really do love it is that when we were working together, I mean it's a pretty serious job, man. It, you know, it's a high level, you know, uh, business stuff, and we were always able to create some separation from just looking at numbers or regulations all day. And we would, we would do that. And that would kind of, you know, raise the spirits or we would talk, you know, we'd take 10 minutes or so. We'd talk about Star Wars we would talk about, you know, whatever, kind of a lot of what we're doing here on this, this podcast to me though, honestly, and I still do some of this where I'm at, where I'm at now. Um, you have to do that, man. I, I yeah. can't imagine. Cause, cause just real quick, like, when I would go to like, uh, you know, when I went to Seattle or Washington DC for some, for some schooling for, for the the business I'm in, um, or when I go to some of the conferences and stuff, like I'll be listening to these people in, in my field and they will be talking like, even when we're away from like the formal part of the day, they're still talking about like businessy type stuff. And they are using that same kind of tone of voice and all that. And I'm sitting there like thinking, is this is this all you guys talk about is this like is this I all mean, you care about
0: and that's the thing is like it's Same. so hard for me to tell the difference between someone who's being disciplined about choices they're making about what they want to use their time for and a damn vulcan i mean yeah. like yeah. i understand that there's some people they love what they do so much it's literally all they can talk about but like Depending on what that is, I might only be down for about 10 minutes of that. And then we need to talk about some other stuff. I mean, i tell you what, John, you you, want to know what job I'll probably never do some weird riff during or like tell dad jokes or something. You know, the jobs that I'm never going to do that in are the ones that I love so much. No one would even have to pay me. Well, I looked and I don't think those jobs exist. I'm not saying that the world doesn't need Vulcans, but... I get a little McCoy in a in a cubicle <laughs> environment if I'm around nothing but Vulcans. So. Yeah.
1: And, and so as we uh, on the podcast, like kind of what Matthew was talking about, we'll, we'll do some of that kind of stuff. We'll kind of break out into some riffs. And and, uh, you know, some people may think that we're insane for doing that. But but it's funny to us. And it just goes back to uh, you know i I've been in uh, in my field for a while now, and I'm reasonably educated and all that kind of stuff and i um, I just can't talk about business and live business all the time and so that was just one of those things where Matthew and I when we were becoming friends, it was nice to see because obviously when we first met, you know it was we didn't know each other outside of uh, of this, so we talked about business a lot. there wasn't anything else, but over time, we started seeing the commonalities and I always appreciated the fact that we could do that, that instead of just talking about business. all Right. The time, like once I discovered,
0: could, yeah. Like once I discovered that not only were you a business major, but a killing is our business and business is good major. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Like that was cool. Oh, mega death.
1: Yeah, we could we could go into some stuff about Megadeth. So maybe
0: think... maybe this is a good time to stick a pin in it for today. I think sure. we're at about an hour. So uh, next episode or the episode after that, we'll uh, let John give us the tragic history of Dave Mustaine, <laughs> uh, who went from. Yeah, uh, it's just it, he's he's a man. He's a complicated man with a long. I'll... Disappointing I'll, story. <laughs>
1: I'll say this as a lead into whenever we get to that. In my opinion, Dave Mustaine is the the greatest heavy metal guitar player that ever lived. And he uh is also the biggest douchebag that's ever been in metal. So uh it kind of yeah, so, that's that story. About. So
0: there you go. Uh fans of there Mustaine and haters of Mustaine, you both got red meat waiting for you whenever we get <laughs> there to you that. go. All right, John. Uh I think I'm going to sign off from up here All in right. uh, North little rock. So, uh, I will. All right, my man,
1: I, I'll, uh, I'm going to hold down the fort here in Conway. And, uh, just for everybody that's listening to this, we appreciate it. We're going to make this podcast better and better as we go along. We're excited to bring it back. It's a fun hobby. Um, and I think that anybody that's listening to this, um, uh, you're going to have a lot of, uh, really good content coming your way. So, uh, just stick with us and, uh, I guess for Matt, I'm John. This has been Incompetence in Stereo, and uh, we'll we'll see you.